Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of The Escapismus. My name is Jason O'Brien, and I am the host of The Escapismus. The Escapismus is a podcast where we talk to artists in Canada about how they do what they do, and all the things that they have to do to do the thing that they love. Those who practice escapism. Escapismists. And we're back. How's it going? We are now in late May, and tonight's conversation is from before the pandemic locked everyone down. This thing has been tough on all of us, and I'm included in that. If you're listening, chances are you're an artist, and man, this situation has probably handed it to you in some ways. The arts, especially the performing arts, you know who you are. I just saw something online about a friend who is having difficulty staying positive, staying on his path, and that he said that it's getting to him. So I did something that I've never done today. I shared something with him, and I think I'm going to share it with you. He goes, hey, man, reaching out with love. I have had a couple of real bad days in this stretch, too. My birthday, it got to me. I had been out, and when I got home, my partner... I'd made me a delicious birthday cake and I broke down in tears. For that moment, I gave way to despair and it took a couple days to get back from that. Realize that it's the circumstances, not my goals, that were putting me in a hard place. It took about four days before I felt like I wasn't going to break into a new round of tears. These are truly difficult times because our aspiration is on the back burner. Lots of love. No, I have time to talk if you'd like to talk. So we're going through this COVID interruption and people are taking a hard look at themselves. Uh, and we've got a lot of time to look at ourselves. Uh, for myself, I'm finding that the changes that I put in place are starting to bear fruit. I cleaned out a closet Last weekend, as I'm sure a lot of you have, just going through things, spring cleaning, deep spring cleaning. Um, And usually when I clean out a closet, I end up coming across some memory or some artifact of something that I either kind of fucked up or uh, didn't see through in the way that I would have liked. And I was surprised to find that that's not what happened this time. I was cleaning out my closet and it used to be filled with all the negative and ambivalent feelings that are locked away in there, but I kept finding things that were good for me. Uh, old lists of goals, some of which I'd uh, done really well on, some of which I'd kind of let go by the wayside, but I knew the reasons why. Uh, and then the same was with editing. I took a took some time off at the beginning of this soft podcast launch, and uh, I was afraid of what I would find. And then I got to this conversation, and it was fantastic. So I hope you like it too. This episode is a conversation with Jacob Manischewitz. Jacob is an incredible guitarist, and once he graduated from university, he took a look at a couple of job markets, and he made decisions for himself and his life goals, and he committed to them. He gave himself a purpose and a mission, and it's a part of what 
It's made him fulfilled as a person, along with being talented, articulate, generous, artful, focused, and supple. You can make any change that you want to. Ladies and gentlemen, my conversation with Jacob Manischewitz. Have you read the books? No. Have you read, have seen the films? Yeah. All right. So the thing that attracted her was uh, she was going through a Victorian passageway. Part of London is mm-hmm. those, like the streets that are but less wide than my arm span. Yeah. She just thought, like, wouldn't it be interesting if there was just this secret society that lived openly and among us, but lived diagonally to, you know, regular people. Sure. And so that became diagonally. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the rest, you know, but like, I still, I can't get over the achievement of seven books in seven years. Yeah. With all the hubbub going on and the interviews and then the movies and all that stuff. Sure. Like, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think about that and it's, it's pretty flooring. Yeah. 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 The potential of, of humans. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. But then, you know, it's just one story. Then, you know, then you have George R. R. Martin who's just writing his own story and he might not finish it, but yeah. apparently it's supposed to come out before July of 2020, book six. Okay. And he's been concurrently writing six and seven. So, uh, but, you know, uh, just a different kind of achievement. Yeah. And yeah, he's, he's not her. You know, yeah. what, you know what K stands for? No. Um, her grandmother's name. She doesn't have a middle name. Okay. Yeah. It's just Jeannie Rowling. Okay. Yeah. And then they said, no, we can't release it. No one will buy uh, a woman writing a fantasy novel. Right. And so then she did the Tolkien thing. and Confuse the masses. And confuse the masses. Yep. Or, you know, just leave it vague until the idea catches on before. All Anybody gets to judge based on who's yeah, writing yeah. the book. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then, uh, and then that's, where, that's where that came from. Interesting. Yeah. Hello and welcome to The Escapismist. Hello! <laughs> this is episode four of season two of The Escapismist. And with me today is Jacob Manischewitz. Jacob Manischewitz is a mortgage agent. He is a guitarist, songwriter, sound designer, band leader, and we have collaborated together for now six years, I think. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Six years? Is that five years, six years? Um, yeah, well, I met you when I first started working at Brazen Head, which was when, which was five and a half years ago, five and a half years ago. I started five and a half years ago. So I'm sure we started being friends about five years ago. Has it only? Wow. Yeah. And I think it was February, five years from this coming February that you introduced me to Laura and that we started playing together as a picture frames. No kidding. All right. So it's five years. Yep. Half a decade. Wow. I can't remember a time. Is this when, for me? Yes, yes it is. Jason uh, got me this nice brownie bar looking thing. A little brownie. I got myself a date square. And we got some coffees. And you got a new cat. And we got a new cat. Yeah. And we got a new cat. Albus. Uh, Albus. Doctor. Albus tiny cat. <laughs> Ryan O'Brien. What kind of cat is Albus? Uh, he is a Cornish Rex. Cornish Rex. He is a champion Cornish Rex. He was a show cat before he was retired to stud. And then on Friday, Friday morning, he got snipped. He got neutered. And then Friday evening, he, uh, he, we signed the papers and he became ours. How old is Albus? Uh, he's going to turn three on January the 31st. Wow. 
Good for him. His balls lasted a lot longer than most cats' balls yeah. do. He's already a grandfather. Wow. Yeah. Three years old and a grandfather. Yeah, and <laughs> retired. <laughs> Three years old, retired, and a grandfather. I'm jealous, <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest. And he is, oh, man, it's, it's since he came in, you know, there was a, there was a little bit of like, whoa, where am I? Where am I? And yeah. he was hiding a bit, and he went up the stairs over there, and then he kind of came down, and he just started doing what he was thinking. Okay. So he'd see us, yeah. and he'd want to like just rub his head up against us, and he yeah. just like headbutt the air. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. And then he, uh, and then he'd be, and then he'd come over, and he'd give me a little, little purr and whatnot. Yeah. And then he'd look at Keelan, and then he'd want to like headbutt her. Yeah. And then, like, <laughs> but he would just kind of like headbutt me, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's just, I don't know, he's a doer. Yeah. yeah. Cool. That's good. Yeah. He lives in the present. Yeah. Um, it means you don't have to guess. Right, you yeah. always know what he's thinking. Exactly, he yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. he sleeps under the blanket. He sleeps under the blanket. He, yeah. Is that know. like a, he was brought up that way kind of thing? I don't think so. He yeah. he was brought up. I mean, I'm sure when he was a show cat, he had protection. He had, you know, he would have things over him. Right. And he's got very very short hair, so yeah. Um, so heating is is a bit of an issue. Right, him. right. Uh, but uh, yeah, on day one. Um, we were hanging out, I think, in a bedroom, and he was just sitting there, and then I just put the cover over him, and he did nothing but appreciate it. Nice. And so, I was like... It looks yeah. pretty cozy in there. Yeah. I'd yeah. be happy in there. Man, yeah, he's been he's been taken to us very well. I, yeah, I thought good. that he would be standoffish for well over a month, but sure. he's really enjoying, I think... I think he's got a lot more open space. Yeah. Um. There were a lot of kittens in the in the rooms that that they stayed in. Uh. There was some competition from another breeding male. Yeah. Um. Apparently they you know whenever they were out of their their spots together they would just be like. Yeah. But uh, he's really good with toys too. He just. Oh, nice. Yeah. Like he's really like he knows how to corral things. Like he's yeah. not just batting at it randomly. Yeah. um yeah it's really i don't know he's interesting to watch because there's an intelligence to him he's he's not just going like he's like he's still dumb but you know yeah he's a big big sweetheart nice uh, is he a a pure breed he is yeah 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 uh he comes from a long line of champions when uh when we got a certificate (laughs) we we got um five generations back uh, so oh. to see where see where he's from. So yeah, he's Ke- uh, he's Quebecois. Okay. Uh, he came from uh, Cattery in Quebec, and then and then they keep doing this where sh- she would have one cat brought in from Russia and one cat brought in from Quebec, and then she would have her own, like, you know, like like breeding, and just to keep on cross pollinating gene pools mm. so that so that it's never too concentrated. But mm. yeah, they they all kind of ship different cats o- all over the world. Um, to keep the to keep them rich yeah. and fresh. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so yeah, don't want any in, inbred cats. No, you don't. No, especially well. Cornish Rexes started from inbreeding. Okay. Uh, it there were there was a cat in 1957, I think, in Germany, where and there was this kind of short-haired cat with like little little kind of waves. I don't know if you saw his body, but mm-hmm. it's kind of like wavy yep. short hair. Yep. And they thought, oh, that's so neat. 
and then they uh, the cat was a male, and then they had that cat breed with its own mother, mm-hmm. and then they had a litter of this kind of cat, you know, with those with those traits and attributes, and then and then they started to, you know, so yeah, I don't know what happened from there, but uh, but it gets healthier, I think. So it must get healthier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he doesn't have you know genetic things going on sure and they live long happy lives so uh so yeah cool yeah but we're not here to talk about cats well at least not for the rest of the not podcast for the rest <laughs> of the no 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 for the for you cat lovers out there that yeah. was a nice little segment i hope you enjoyed it mm, but um no we're here uh we're here to talk about art and music and life mm. um and change uh, I, I feel like you've had, when did you graduate from UT? Um, a year and a half ago. Yeah. Technically two years ago, I, f- I actually finished going to class, but my graduation ceremony was about a year and a half ago. Right. Right. I, I feel like you have had one of the more accelerated transitions from school than most people that I've known. It's been crazy, yeah. to be perfectly honest. Mm. Um, I'm glad you brought up change because that's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently. Yeah. I'm not just like changing myself, but changing the world and uh, the way that our world is developing mm. and specifically looking towards the future um, in terms of what I'm going to be mm-hmm. in the next 15 years or the 20 years in, at, in a professional manner. Yeah. Because... A lot of people don't think about is, you know, when you finish university, you're you're looking to get a job. But nowadays we have to think about is that job going to be relevant in 10 years and 15 years or yeah. in 20 years. Right. Mm. And it's different when you're a musician as your main gig, because music is always going to be something that not everybody has and people will want to pay for yeah. Like I feel like, you know, for example, somebody's going to be hiring a band in 30 years and 50 years. People are still going to want to hire bands to play a live music of people to communicate and create an atmosphere. For yeah, sure. Yeah, whether it's at the horseshoe for a fun, you know, Monday night out or whether it's for a wedding or whatever the case is, people yeah. are always going to want that, you know, mm. acoustic, cerebral kind of music. Visceral, going on. Yeah. Yeah. But mortgage agent, for example. Yeah something specifically that I've been thinking about, obviously, because that's the career that I've taken on for myself. How did that come to be? So I finished university with an undergrad in history and political science. Mm -hmm. um, And I didn't want to continue going to school. So I didn't want to do a master's and I didn't want to go to law school. And the idea of being a teacher kind of faded away from me in the first couple years of university. What happened with teaching? I wanted to get into it initially. So the inspiring um, aspects for me was uh, obviously great pension, summers off and that kind of stuff. My mom was a teacher her whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when my dad got sick, her benefits actually paid for all of his medication. Right. So if she hadn't have had those benefits, we may have had to like possibly remortgage our house or even lose the house in order to pay for for his medication right what did your dad do my dad had brain cancer oh okay yeah no, what, sorry what did he do for his living 
he was like assistant manager at a grocery store. He he did a lot of odd jobs. He right. he didn't go to college or university, so he right. would kind of he he had a hard time with employment. He never really had a job for more than three or four years at a time. And mm. um, so my mom was the like the career one and the one who really uh, brought home the bacon in the family, so to speak. And yeah. um, so and I always aspired to be a teacher. It was just kind of the thing I wanted to do. I thought it you know it's a very noble profession and you know life giving. Of course, yeah, you know, yeah. it, empowering the next generation and teachers have such an impactful um, uh, role in in young people's lives, right? Everybody has that one teacher that they think back to that taught them these lessons that sometimes parents don't even have the opportunity to teach you. And, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's just kind of what I wanted to do. And going into university, uh, I think it was just after first year or second year, teachers college went from one year to two years a two-year program, and then that would have been six years in university, and I had to keep up a certain grade point average to be eligible to get into teacher's college at the end, and just all of the shit yeah. that came together. Yeah. I was like, you know what, maybe it's not really what I wanted to do, but in, in, in hindsight, I was just being lazy. Well, I, I also remember you were going into, you were going into that, f- looking at the job market and seeing that people were not retiring and people were coming out of five years of school, BA and then teacher's college, and then they're put on lists that are five and eight years long. 100%. To get, maybe get jobs. Um, And then what do you do in that eight years and all that stuff? And then student debt and all that stuff. Um, Yeah. They're just uh, punching bag, political punching bags, too. Uh, you know, like what, what does one side always say? Like, ah, cut education. Like, oh, we can yeah. t- teach kids resilience by making classes uh, larger and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so that, w- that was teaching. Um, you said ma- you didn't want to do master's and you didn't want to go to law school. Yeah. So as I'm sure you can understand, after four and a half years of university, yeah. the last thing you want to do is go back to university. Yeah. Um, so I just, it was not in the cards for me. I had a decent amount of student debt and I was working at, you know, an Irish pub, uh, on, in the evening, evenings and weekends to, you know, pay mm-hmm. my bills and that kind of stuff. So I didn't want to take on another 50 grand in student debt to do a master's program or whatever the case was. And, yeah. um, at the same time, like while I was there, my, there was a, a strike, the TAs went on strike. So I didn't want to do a master's and be a TA and then, you know, get screwed, uh, like you said, on the political angle and have to go on strike and all this stuff. Yeah. Just, it just, uh, yeah, I just didn't, I was kind of, that was it. I was done. I didn't have the best time in high school. I dropped out after grade 11 and I didn't go to school for a year. Uh, and then I finished grade 12 online and got really, really good marks. And that's how I got into U of T. So school was never like a, you know, thing You're that I really force. love to do. Yeah. yeah. And I'll be honest, in university, I didn't go to a lot of class. Mm-hmm. I just kind of wrote the essays, and if anybody who's listening has been in a liberal arts program, if you write the essays and you do okay, you know, you're going to pass the course. You don't really have to go to every class kind of right, thing, right. but you do, and you get a lot out of it, and I did get a lot out of it. You know, When I travel, I understand a lot about the places that I'm going just because I've learned about their history and the way their political system works, and it helps me keep up with current events because I know why you know, a Middle East situation is the way it is now, and the European Union situation is the way it is now. Yeah. I don't understand too much about American politics, and I'll be perfectly honest, I don't really care to get into it it yeah yeah yeah. um so that's just kind of where i i stood on that so when i finished i uh i taught music at a daycare yeah for five months Mm -hmm. um and that was cool but it was part-time what what brought you to that honestly i I applied for a ton of jobs i just went on indeed 
and yeah. and just applied for everything from like working for the city as you know some kind of office administrator you know like entry level kind of government job government of ontario jobs in in uh in education and not not teaching per se but like policy and that kind of stuff right. and, um hmm. and then i went on the music side i was like i have this you know this talent this skill I'm a guitar mm. player. I can sing. You know, I I have that that not mo- that most other people don't have to that particular level. Mm-hmm. So I thought, um, why don't I try and get a job using that? So I I applied for a couple like teaching jobs, um, and then this daycare music instructor job came up, mm-hmm. uh, and it was fun for five months. Yeah, but uh, it got to the point where i was getting some feedback from the instructors at the daycare it's like oh you're singing the same you know five songs every time you come for my for your half hour session with this group of 10 two-year-old kids Uh and then from my perspective it's like how many more songs can i teach these children like you know they they have a certain capacity especially if you want them to be engaged if you come every week singing new songs they're eventually they're just going to check out and because they don't you know learning anything at least if you stick with you know row row your boat and Mary had a little lamb there. They're kind of on board with it. Yeah. And yeah. it was good. It was, you know, fulfilling. And obviously they, the kids loved me and that kind of stuff. But mm. uh, it was, it had an uh, expiration date. Yeah. Mm. You're realizing this. And, and then I guess it was around a year ago, a little over a year ago now, where you started to set your sights. Um, so it was about a year and a half ago that I, finished at the daycare right and i started at a cold calling company i worked there for three months so that was my transition into sales right so it's like if you're out of get out of university and you have nothing to do what do you do you get into sales basically uh i was selling attendance to conferences in the united states for different industries right yeah so it was literally i'd be calling like directors and vps of blue chip companies in the states and trying to convince them to buy a 700 dollars ticket to go to mm-hmm. some conference that my company is putting on in the automotive space or the pharmaceutical space yeah um and so that company pretty much just took people fresh out of college and university and used their ambition and hunger as young people right out of school to get them on the phone and doesn't matter if you get hung up on 25 times today because you just go home and you know party it off and whatever right 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 and that was kind of the culture there which is everybody was really young and all they talked about was what they were going to do after work and which bar they were going to go to and you know i was at that time like 25 almost 26 and everybody else there was kind of like 22 23 and i feel like i'm relatively mature for my age and all those people were like still young they were kids and all they like i said all they cared about was what they were going to drink that night was it salaried hourly commission there was a base salary of 32 grand yeah and then a bonus structure based on the commission that that uh, you brought in so i mean the earning potential was there there were a couple of seasoned guys there you know middle-aged guys that that were caking it yeah yeah but they just had the system going and literally every day it's you get on the phone and you say the same you know five key phrases over and over again and just mm-hmm. some of them were really good at it and yeah, i yeah. just didn't have the patience for it yeah I, I gave it my best shot for three months and you know what my boss told me was that oh you're so close you're about to crack you know the secret and you're about to get in there and yeah. you know everybody's going to start saying yes to you as soon as you get over this hump and it was always next week you're going to do it next week you're going to do it my boss is like a year older than me uh-huh. and he's only my boss because he was in my position for like a year right. and did really well yeah. and it was a startup company so there was only like 30 people on the mm-hmm. floor and everybody was really young and had only been working for the company for a year so right. they were growing really fast and when the culture is not really supporting 
that either uh, exactly you know, yeah yeah and like the potential was like i joined and then five people were hired right after me and right. if i did better than those five people six months down the road i'd be their boss kind of thing and i'd be yeah. telling them what to do and then they'd become team leaders and tell the next 20 people that were just hired what to do transition and, into this job that you may not be qualified for or have any interest in doing exactly yeah and it's just straight up sales like it was the the most superficial sales job you could possibly have you're not meeting people in person even it's all on the phone you don't have to look the part it was business casual was the dress code but people were wearing you know golf shirts and jeans and sneakers to work every day and you know i i like to dress nice and so i was kind of like overdressed for the job although although your style is has often changed Uh, you you change with the times oh thank you Yeah. yeah yeah i mean my position now i'm meeting a lot of people in person um and whether they're clients or referral partners I feel like I need to look the part because my disadvantage at this point is that I look young yeah. and people don't want to trust young people with a lot of money. That is a thing with, uh, with real estate business. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, age with age comes, uh, an expectation. Of, so I guess you're playing the distinction point. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I guess so. Yeah. And it, I'm still working on it. You know, I still, sometimes I do the, the, sh- stubble thing and sometimes i go clean shaven because yeah. go clean shaven i look a lot younger but then i grow a little bit of a beard and i look a little older but then there's like you know the elitist people who want to see you clean shaven every day because it's part of a whole persona that you're you know very put together and very yeah. clean and yeah. clean cut and, and, the, and the daily regiment exactly of, I'm up yeah, at blah routine. blah blah doing yeah 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 you got it yeah so there's a, there's two sides to that coin for sure so you leave the sales uh the sales thing with yeah. all the partying kids and then how long was it before you found so i was still at the job and um at the cold calling job Mm -hmm. and i had lunch with one of my bandmates um leon from the uh, pink floyd group that i play with and get into that later but yeah. yeah he uh he's basically retired, does consulting work. He's a big name in the Canadian capital markets. Mm -hmm. Um, He worked for banks his whole life doing consulting in mortgage-backed securities, which is just a a fancy name for what the banks do with all the money that they lend out to people who are uh, purchasing mortgages. Right. Um, and he has basically has lots of great connections in the industry. And so I had lunch and I was like, look, Leon, I hate this job. I need you to help me. I need you to help me get a job. And, you know, at that point we had become pretty close. We were good friends. Um, we've been playing together for a year and a half or so like that. Um, and he's like, well, I can get you a job as a mortgage broker tomorrow if you want it. And I, at the point I didn't even know what a mortgage broker did to be perfectly honest. So I did some research. I thought, Hey, what the hell? Yeah could be could be i mean anything was better than what i was doing at that point and right. i knew that if i was motivated enough i could do well at anything mm-hmm. i know that you know i'm i'm a smart guy and that i know how to create a future for myself i just need to have the right resources to be able to do it kind of thing and, mm-hmm. um so i did some research i found out what mortgage brokering was all about i did the course and did the test and then i kind of interviewed at a bunch of brokerages to get a job and the thing about it is that when you're first hired on as a mortgage broker you have a split with the company so every mortgage that you fund your commission gets split with your principal broker basically and he does all the administration and the insurance and all this stuff so he has costs on his end so usually when you start the split is 50 50 so at the beginning you're giving up half your commission to your boss right because he's holding your hand through the process because you're brand new and you don't know what the fuck you're doing is it mentoring or is it a boss it depends on the brokerage Some guys just hire agent after agent after agent. And and I'll be honest with you, the course is nothing 
hard. Yeah. You could I did it in like two days online and then went in for an afternoon and did the test and passed with flying colors. Like right, it, right. it's not hard. Yeah. Anybody can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why you have a lot of mortgage brokers who don't know what they're doing because the qualification to get in is really mm-hmm. nothing spectacular. Um, so and and you don't have much to lose by being a broker and hiring an agent because if they don't perform well, you're not paying them anything. Agents aren't salary. Yeah. You're hundred percent commission. Yeah. So if they do well, you get half their commissions. If they don't do shit, you can kick them to the curb or, you know, they'll kick themselves to the curb because they'll realize they're not in the right spot because they can't pay their bills and not making any money. Right. So as, you know, a relatively astute guy, I wanted to pick the brokerage that was going to give me the resources to succeed Yeah. because I could be hired anywhere. Yeah. And so that's when I found iBridge Capital, mm-hmm. um, the firm that I'm with now. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what I've gotten from them is more than I could have imagined getting from any mentor. Mm-hmm. There's two, I have two leaders there, basically my principal broker and my VP of sales. Yeah. <clears throat> my principal broker is very seasoned in the, the industry. He knows all the technical stuff. And, and your he's principal bi- broker is the person that you're splitting with? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's fine. And he, he owns the company basically. Okay. Um, and uh, you have to have a separate broker's license to be a broker and hire people and that kind of thing. Right. Um, so you're not just so a broker usually works at the top and has a team of agents that work for him or with him mm-hmm. as independent contractors, technically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what he offers me is professional professional mentoring. So he's taught me everything that I know about the business. Whenever I have a deal come in that I don't know what to do with, he kind of tells me what to do and where to go and how to do it. Yeah. My VP of sales is a very different kind of guy. He's... Um, a very high level thinker. He's like a visionary type. Yeah. Um, he's hired somebody to like take care of his calendar for him and book his meetings for him because he's just not the day to day type person. He's the big picture type thinker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he lives on another level than anybody I've ever seen in my life. What do you mean? It's like he's on acid all the time. Like he, (laughs) He just, he sees different things. Yeah. He sees things differently than other people. He thinks it's, it's really hard to explain. You just have to talk to him. He has like endless happiness mm. and he, you know, he attracts happiness by being happy all the time. Yeah. He'll do, he'll like show up to the airport with his suitcases without buying a plane ticket and, you know, pick a place on the map and say, I want to go here. And he goes there yeah. and it just like, things just come together for him. Mm-hmm. And he has a great story. He's an Indian guy. Um, he Ten years ago, he lived in India um, making no money. And now he's in Canada with a wife and a kid mm-hmm. and making tons of money. Like he just had this crazy transformation in his life. And mm-hmm. he's all about developing people. So he gives me this personal mentorship, yeah. which is how I've developed so much in my personal life. Yeah. Um, he's introduced me to things like meditation and journaling and, and having a morning routine and uh, the law of attraction and things that since I started with this firm, I've completely changed. I've, I've become a totally different person than yeah. I was a year ago. Yeah, I would agree. But you've maintained the things that that made you you. The, the things that attracted you to the states of being that you, that you wanted to espouse, I guess. But took a you know like you shed other things for sure and you never seem to stop or 
you know, well, we haven't spent a lot of time together uh, in the last while because of all of these things, and mm-hmm. all, you know, like our own different priorities and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But um, it's been, uh, it seems like it's been a joyful time for you. Yep, very much so. Um, like you said, it was a very good point that you made. Like, I am more of who I am now than I was because I've shed some things mm. that weren't exactly me mm. and I've unlocked some things and that were more innately me and that have flourished. Yeah. Like, I know I have so much to offer and I know I have all this potential, but there were certain things that were holding me back. Mm. Um, and Can we talk about some of those? Sure. Yeah. Um, so... Like professionally, mortgage brokering gives me the opportunity to make my own schedule mm-hmm. um, and be more flexible every day. Every day is different. And so I get to kind of create my own life without hindering my professional opportunities. Mm-hmm. So every new person that I meet is a new opportunity. Yeah. I'm not wasting my time, you know having coffee with somebody because it could turn into potential business. But at the same time, I'm learning just from being with another person and learning through this kind of connection. Yeah. Cause you never know who other people know. Mm. You never know. I'm going to have a conversation with somebody, not even bring up mortgages. And at the end, Oh yeah, I'm a mortgage broker. And they'll say, Oh wow. My uncle, you know, is buying this property and he needs help with his financing or something like you never know what's going to happen. And yeah, yeah. I don't have to be stuck behind a desk every day yeah. um, and have that kind of routine that, you know, holds you back. And it has a lot to do with how the world is changing. Commuting to work is an enormous waste of time and energy Mm. that could be used, you know, for more productive stuff. Mm. And especially with the technology that we have these days, people can work from home more. Mm. And that begs the question, what's going to happen to all the office buildings? And, you know, you look at the traditional like office life, water cooler, hour lunch break, Mm -hmm. and it's just all of this time and energy that's wasted when you could be doing more productive stuff you yeah. could have you could be doing your job and have a business on the side yeah, and be succeeding in two avenues that's true yeah yeah the uh, the office space and the, the physically having to be there and then somebody gets off the phone and they go uh, and then it's kind of incumbent upon you to say yeah. what happened yeah S- stop what you're doing what yeah. happened yeah and then Maybe the, what happened was interesting, but yep. maybe it wasn't. Yeah, and then it's yeah. Then it's this whole stop, and the, and then people coming over and just going, "Hey, what's going on?" Yeah, exactly. What are you doing there. Yeah, I'm like doing doing work. Trying, yeah, trying to trying to get this done. Yeah, yeah. You have ten people in an office, and every, everybody's at least one person is distracted at one time, and that one distracted person distracts another person to occupy themselves while they're being distracted. Yeah, I mean, it just I just think of the office, the show, the yeah. office, and it's just, you know, it it uh, it yeah. rings true in a lot of situations. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about the the things that uh, that we just mentioned. Both of us have had a changing. Dev- uh, relationship to the recently legalized cannabis Mm -hmm. in uh in canada um and i i certainly this is strange to admit because this is the first time i'm going to say this out loud but i feel like i had a dependency on it Mm -hmm. um and it was uh it was mood regulator it was something that i look forward to uh through work and it was something that I rationalized as being a, a helper for music, uh, for music creation and for 
looseness and accepting ideas for performance with a lot of pratfalls involved. Um, but I've been transitioning out of using marijuana and I feel so much better and I feel like all of the things that I was worried about losing have only been enhanced and have been deepened because I know now that I have the ability to to conjure those those things um, the muses if you will um, but uh, yeah I'd like to know your, your feeling about your transition away from uh, from weed yeah so it was a big part of my life for a long time mm. I did it a lot yeah. way too much um, there probably wasn't a minute of the day that I wasn't high for maybe five years straight or yeah. so. Um, and it was never an issue for me. Like you said, you know, I thought it added to my life and, uh, you know, for example, in university, like I could look around the class and be like, I'm probably the only one here that's baked off my ass. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, I'm enjoying the lecture way more than everybody else. Cause you know, I'm stoned and yeah. Um, and then eventually at work, you know, I would be at work and I'd be high and be like, I'm the only one here that's high. That's cool. You know, it makes me the coolest person in the room. Right. Um, because I can do all this stuff and I can do it better than everyone else. And I'm stoned while I'm doing it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then when I started on this journey of personal development, I realized, so it got to the point where like I joined a networking group, for example. It's just an, a, like a small example. I, I meet with them every week and every week you have to give an um, infomercial about yourself. So you have to stand up in the room in front of 20 people, 20 other business owners. And I say, uh, you know, good morning. My name is Jacob Manischewitz. Um, and usually I just make it up on the spot. Some people write it down the morning before, but I'm more of a like a, you know, improv spur of the moment yeah, kind yeah. of guy, whatever, it, you know, From inspires me. I want to. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I got nervous and sometimes I'd get like choked up on my words or, you know, sometimes I'd stutter or whatever the case was. Mm -hmm. um, and it, I've worked on my public speaking and actually being a part of that group has helped me with my public speaking. But mm -hmm. I also chalked it up to the fact that, well, I'm, I'm performing at 80 percent because I'm I'm stoned. You know, like mm -hmm. I, if I wasn't stoned, I'd be performing at 100 percent. Like there's no question I wouldn't stumble on my words. I wouldn't forget what I was going to say and this kind of stuff. And it made me realize that I'm not performing at 100% because I'm stoned. Mm -hmm. And that if I wanted to seriously and genuinely embark on this journey of personal development, mm -hmm. I couldn't do it high. Yeah. Because it doesn't make me better. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not cool because I'm the only person stoned in the room. Mm -hmm. It actually gives me a disadvantage. And if I'm this good when I'm high, think of how much better I can be sober. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. So it got Straight to the point. Giving everything complete focus yeah, yeah there's no disconnect between my brain and my mouth there's no clouds blocking me from you know seeing the next sentence that i'm going to say or mm -hmm. developing the next idea that i want to develop to its full potential yeah. as opposed to just being some half-assed comment that i think i understand 100 percent in my mind but i'm having a hard time describing it because you know there's yeah. a cloud or there's a disconnect or whatever what was what in your opinion now was keeping you high Can you rephrase the question? Why were you reaching for it? It was just a habit. Yeah. It was a and in an enjoyment thing. I think I enjoyed everything else. 
because I was high. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, like the mo- most mundane thing, like driving my then girlfriend, now fiance, to work, which I do pretty much every morning. Yeah. You know, I would, I would vape it up in the morning before I drove her to work. It's like 8.30 in the morning and she'd be like, have her coat on and ready to walk out the door and she'd be like, babe, I'm going to be late and I'm just like, okay, just one more minute. Yeah. And, you know, and I'd vape a few times and then I'd be like, well, I'm going to enjoy the drive to work a lot more mm. um, because I'm stoned. Yeah. Mm. So it's just an enjoyment thing and that goes along with music, that goes along with work, that goes along with school. It's like, oh, I'm going to enjoy myself more just because, you know, I'm baked and I'm not going to be bored off my ass or whatever the case is. When, in reality, life is not boring. Every second of life is exhilarating. You just have to be in the moment to enjoy it. You have to be in the... I, 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 would, I would say to add to that, I, w- I would say you have to be in the mindset of accepting the enjoyment that life can offer because driving a person to work is not going to be the most exhilarating thing in the world necessarily uh, unless you happen upon a pot of gold or something. Yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, leaving your leaving your mind open to the opportunity. Um, yeah, for for me, it was definitely self medication. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I felt like uh, for my entire adult life, uh, since I was about sixteen or seventeen, right, I've battled depression, and I in my in my mindset in the mindset that i was in i felt like it was just the way i was it was the way i was wired and once i had this affliction or like this you know like this set of beliefs or like like this illness of like impressed upon my brain this Mm -hmm. way of thinking this way of behaving that it just was and Mm -hmm. people who are depressed are depressed um and it wasn't until 2017 where I learned about Joseph Campbell he's a mythologist and he's written several books one of them was uh, here with a thousand faces so his life's work was creating the monomyth and he would go to different tribes and different cultures all over the world and in times of like human development where they had no way of communicating with Mm -hmm. each other and he would explore and he would uh he would explore the the myths that they had in like the folklore that they had and then he would weave together the commonalities in between mm. these things cool and the one thing that that struck me very very hard was he, he lamented the western culture that, that we live in right now the western culture doesn't have a strong transitional phase for people becoming adults that you know, and we, I'm sure you can attest to this, that a lot of people, a lot of people who are in fact adults are still behave as children and act as children and, uh, don't take responsibility for the, uh, for their actions mm-hmm. as an adult would. And he said that one of the myths that, that he found in various cultures all over the world would, was that people would have, you know, you'd have an adolescent go out into the wilderness or into the wild or into the wider world, leave the safety of their village or their community or their household, and they would leave for several weeks. And then they would have to, you know, travel through whatever their challenge was. And then when they would come back, they would come back as an adult and they would, they would be, they would have completed their transition. 
and they would be treated as an adult. They would behave as an adult, and they would have different responsibilities than than mm-hmm. before the, when they left when they were when they were preparing for this. Mm-hmm. And I was reading this, and it occurred to me that what if in this in this whole time where I've been like where I've had you know I've, I've had some pretty good accomplishments in my life, but I've also but I haven't really let them set into myself because the, I was just drifting this whole time and I thought to myself what if in these last 20 years I've been out in the wilderness and I ne- it never occurred to me or I was never told that I can come back and present myself as an adult and be an adult you never told you were able to come back is that what you said? Well, it, it was never part of the equation that, you know, like you get sent out in, into the wilderness. So two years ago, I started thinking, what if I just take my entire life and realize that it was all building blocks and that I am the person that I am and I am an adult and my, like I had, you know, taken myself seriously, I guess, because that, w- that was another thing and like I felt like it was a product of being Gen X and I felt like it was a product of being a cynical artist and all of this stuff of it was just a part of it that you don't take things seriously and you kind mm-hmm. of laugh off everything and that kind of thing of like yeah yeah I get I get what's going on here and I, it doesn't need my entire time it doesn't need my entire uh, my entire effort mm-hmm. mm. and in the last two years uh, it's occurred to me similar to what you were saying of what happens if I give my entire effort? What happens if I give my entire self to to these things and give myself over to the project? And the whole process, the f- that idea of I can change has lifted the feeling of depression. I can't believe it. I thought it was I thought it was going to be like this for the rest of my life like that for the rest of my life and it's it's not and it's not gone you know like like there are things to to be sad about and there are things to to have difficulty of uh dealing with and there are challenges that that bring you uh places that you know maybe you wouldn't rather be but but I don't I don't succumb to the overall feeling anymore. Uh, so it's good to leave that behind. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that y- y- the fact that you know that you can change has helped you leave the depression behind. Yeah. Yeah. And that there is a, that there is a, a doorway and that there is another way of thinking and that it... And it's going to be different for everybody because I mm-hmm. feel like everyone's everyone's mind is set up in their in their own mm-hmm. different way. But but depression is like an overarching thing of like the mind working in certain ways and kind of like oh I'm thinking about this and there's a, you know and yep. then I go down in, in yep. this way. Um, one of the things one of the biggest things that that helped me out of that out of that was um, stopping listening to recorded music that I've been listening to my entire life. Like um, just music that that I would 
that was my music, you know, uh, uh, like Jimi Hendrix and uh, and whatever, you know, like like just gads and gads and gads of music. Uh, and in listening to those things, it would send my mind in similar patterns. You know, like like a song would begin, and I'd be like, oh, "Yeah, all right, yeah, I love this song. I love this song." And then my mind would just kind of spiral in the same direction, and then I would go, "Oh no, I don't like what I'm thinking now. Skip to the next song." Oh yeah, this is a good song. I love this song, and then it would just go down and down and down, and just having different systems to uh, for my mind to to build on has been wonderful. And in in so far as that, um, can we talk about uh, your routines that, that you've that you've switched, that you've changed? Yeah, uh, uh, mental or physical routines. Um, either or both. Okay. Um, so my physical routines. Um, I never used to go to the gym, mm. and um, just being active. You know, when I was younger, I used to ride my bike everywhere. Yeah. And I know you can relate to this as well. And, that, you know, it just keeps you relatively in shape. And, and, you know, you get a decent cardio workout every other day or however often you do it. But mm -hmm. when I stopped doing that, um, I never went to the gym. Uh, and so just going to the gym and not, not even like killing yourself at the gym, just, you know, working up a bit of a sweat and making you, yourself feel better because when you feel like you look better, you feel better and you're more confident mm -hmm. and it translates into other areas of your life as well. So it's not even about, you know, getting jacked or losing weight or anything like that. It's just about kind of feeling good and, and having that kind of physical routine. And, mm. um, but the more pertinent I think to your question is, um, my morning routine. So I, I get up at five every morning or, or Monday to Fridays rather. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I get up and I just, I do. So something I figured out to kind of wake me up immediately is I just get down and do as many push-ups as I can. Mm -hmm. So at this point I'm at like 15, I can do 15 in a row before I can't do any more push-ups. Like in, in the morning. Yeah. First like first thing, yeah. uh, like I'll go pee, you know, get up, you pee and then I'll do 15 push-ups and then you my heart's going the bedroom or like just outside the bedroom. Cause oh, my okay. fiance is sleeping. So, so yeah, I gotta right. leave the bedroom, close the door and right. then I do it right outside in, in our living room mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, and you know, so then my, my blood's pumping, my heart's racing, I'm breathing a little bit heavier. And then I, I sit down in front of my computer and I put my headphones on and I follow this gratitude routine every day. It's a little bit different cause I choose a different program to follow, but it's all on YouTube and I've been experimenting with different ones. And mm -hmm. basically it's, it's just, um, affirmations for gratitude. So a lot of it is consisting of, uh, things like I am, uh, grateful for, um, the abundance that flows into my life and I am grateful for the support and love of all of the amazing people that I have in my life and um, I'm deserving of the highest amount of wealth and success and, and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So it's affirmations basically yeah. um, and it mixes in with gratitude, right? So you're, mm -hmm. you're thankful for everything because the more things you're thankful for, the more things you're going to get of that nature. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Um, in affirmations, was there any fight with cynicism? when taking on morning gra gratitude or affirmations you mean as far as thinking like this is hokey junk and it's yes. not going to work yeah so i just kind of dove in head first mm -hmm. and decided to give it a try 
yeah um and not have any reservations about it so i started off by reading a book called three simple steps mm. um which i would recommend to pretty much everybody who uh, uh three simple steps by yeah um trevor blake pretty sure is the guy's name uh and Basically, it outlines a whole bunch of stuff that to help you, you know, develop yourself personally and professionally. Mm. But the main thing that I got from the book is that your thoughts create reality. So, you know, as much as that's a 16 year old mushroom doing person's view on reality, it's actually the way that I view reality at the same time. Mm. Whereas what you put out there is what you get back, basically. And it's not just what you say, it's also what you think. So if you're doing these affirmations, but then thinking in the back of your mind that this is hokey junk and it's never going to work, you're counteracting all of the affirmations. You're not fully invested in it. And then the universe knows that you're not fully invested in it. So it hears what you're saying in the back of your mind and then also hears what's coming out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to get what's coming to you, whether you believe it or not, whether it's you know, reality or not, whether the law of attraction is actually a thing or not, you're not going to experience it unless you're fully invested. And it's this unique situation where, you know, you got to believe it to get the benefits of it. And I'm still playing with it. And it's still a new concept for me. But what Mm. I've decided is just to completely dive in head Mm. first. And so anytime I have a negative thought or cynical thought towards it, I replace it with a positive thought because yeah. I know that my thoughts create the reality that the universe is going to bring back into my life. The thing that, that brought me around on affirmations like in my own self-talk uh, you know, dialogue mm-hmm. in my head, the thing that I didn't have an answer for was, well, how's the thing that you're doing working for you? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally. Maybe you do want to try something and invest yeah. and and might get both feet in yeah um yeah yeah so sorry i just wanted to put that no that you're absolutely right Mm -hmm. and the only way to see if it works is to be fully invested in it because you can't half-ass it and say all this is bullshit because you didn't actually try it if you're half-assing it right um and a lot of people have extremely negative thoughts about themselves like let's all be honest you think terrible things about yourselves in the back of your mind you look in the mirror and think oh i'm ugly and i'm fat and i'm old and i'm you know i'm never going to be who i want to be and i should just be realistic and set my standards low because you know thinking that i'm going to be the best at this is just unrealistic and that's why you never get there because you don't have that positivity and that reinforcement of your and that entire mindset no no one would let anyone else in the world speak to them that way Except for that voice. Yeah. We're only allowed to do that to ourselves. Yeah. 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 And it's just. It's a great point. Oh my God. It's such. It's devastating. And it sneaks in. Yep. And you don't. Oh God. I love catching it. Yep. That's my favorite. Yeah. And then you get better at it. It becomes a skill and yeah. it becomes a habit and muscle memory because yeah. we do it so much more than we think we do. And mm. to catch it is, is very important. If I had a recommendation for anybody trying to work on that, it would be to have your go-to anchor catchphrase that you counter that negative thought with Mm. so personally yeah exactly any yeah just like a one sentence thing that's full of positive positivity and you know energy and so mine personally is i am healthy wealthy and very successful Mm. that's mine so if i ever feel like i'm on a negative thought path i just punch it in the face with i am healthy wealthy and extremely successful or some slight variation of that sentence yeah 
Sorry, I'm just writing that down. Yeah, no problem. And success is, is, you know, it doesn't have to be professionally successful. Everybody has their own definition of success, right? Yeah. Um, So, you know, if you want to be happy, if Mm. you're, you know, your life's goal is just to be happy, that's Mm. success for you. If yeah. you if you're happy twenty four seven, you're a successful person. Mm-hmm. And so if that's what's success to you, then it you know, it doesn't have to be you're the CEO of some enormous company like that. Not all people define success by, yeah. you know, professional success or business success or monetary success even, right? Yeah. I feel so much happier now it doing uh, this labor job that I that I've been doing and you know, I've worked my way way up to management and it's given me enough time to uh, to be able to start uh, two new companies uh, in 2019, uh, which will continue on in 2020. But it's basically, like, it's a pretty basic menial job. But I've never been happier with my job in in my life. And so as a transition, it's been really, really mind, you know, it just opens, it's been open, it opened my eyes. Yeah. Um, great work culture and great bosses. It's been incredible. So your your definition of success in that, in your professional area, at least in your, you know, what pays your bills the at the job. moment yeah. is being part of a work culture that is, you know, positive and conducive mm. to what you want to see there at the same Personal time as giving you this the time otherwise to work on, like you said, your two companies and yeah, your music develop. and everything like that, right? Yeah. 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 And it's... Uh, it's not something that you know like it's a i'm not getting younger and it's work you know like it's a body related work so Mm -hmm. uh that's something that i that i have to be wary of for sure and it's not something that i want to you know like it's not a part of my five-year plan Mm -hmm. i will have to transition out of it but uh as as a fulcrum point in my life as part of this entire fulcrum point in my life it's been incredible yeah um yeah so uh sorry getting back to the uh the gratitude Mm -hmm. uh program that you've been doing is that your morning meditation or is that a part of it so uh the first part is affirmations and gratitude which i've combined into one which is um saying these the affirmations that usually start with i am Mm. um a, a big part of the law of attraction is um speaking in the present so it's not like i want a million dollars or I want to be the CEO of a company. You say, mm-hmm. I am a millionaire. I am the CEO of the company because mm-hmm. what you're putting out there is that you're already there and that's what the universe is giving back to you. Mm. Um, so a lot of it is I am and then it, and then I combine that with the gratitude. So I am very grateful for blah, blah, blah and this and that. And you can, yeah. you know, some for at the beginning it's very hard because it's hard to think of all of these different things that you're grateful for. But when you get into it, you can be grateful for, you know, the tiniest things. Mm. One of the, like the deepest I ever went at one point with the gratitude was um, I'm grateful for the decisions of my ancestors mm. because, you know, what they decided to do with their lives brought me to this point where I am right now. Yeah. You know, for example, like if my Jewish family had not left Poland in 1925 or something like that, and they had stayed into the thirties, mm-hmm. I may not exist. Yeah. So, you know, just going way back to things like that and, yeah. you know, showing that you're that insightful into what you actually should be grateful for makes you more grateful in a sense, I guess. Yeah. yeah. 
So after the first part is the the gratitude and the affirmations. And then after I do a little bit of meditation combined with visualization and visualization is another big part of um, the three simple steps and, and mm-hmm. the law of attraction and, and that kind of thing. Um, and meditation in like the traditional Eastern sense where you like quiet your mind to the point where, you know, you see nothing and you, you know, you're only focusing on your breath and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. I find that incredibly difficult yeah. and it's discouraging, especially at the beginning because you're like, I can't stop my mind. I can't stop my brain. I can't just think about a lamp or the tip of a pencil or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. I can't just focus on my breathing for 20 minutes straight because your mm-hmm. mind is, you know, for the last however many years of your life, you've trained your mind to be as efficient as possible and yeah. think about and this, thing, this thing. And yeah, yeah. And you want to know what's going on, especially because you just woke up and you're like, all right, well, I'm not fucking sleeping anymore. So I might as well start my day and think about what's going to happen in the next 12 hours or yeah. 16 hours or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. I found that very discouraging. And, and when I talk about meditation, I don't talk about it in that traditional Eastern sense, you know, where mm. you're oh, and just sitting there, you know, not mm. thinking about anything or whatever the idea is. I am very intrigued by that idea because the people that achieve nirvana or whatever it is you call it when you just become one with the universe and, you know, you're not even existing in your body anymore or whatever it is. Yeah. That's really cool. But as far as I know, it takes an entire lifetime worth of like daily practice in order to get there. Mm. And, you know, like the Buddhist monk who sets himself on fire but doesn't feel any pain because he's totally disassociated himself from the physical world. It's like, like that's some crazy stuff. (laughs) I I have other aspirations in my life. Like, you know, the thing that that, uh, because I've been getting into meditation for the last uh, since uh, 2017 excuse me the the thing about it uh, for me is uh, and the the thing that i've been learning excuse me the thing that i've been learning uh about all of this has been the so you focus on the breath and you focus on the breath and then your mind goes goes somewhere and it's not a matter of going, oh, no, no, I, I, I'm, I ruined it. My mind is too active. Yep. It's just like, oh, there's a thought. Okay, I'm thinking. Okay, I'm thinking. Yep. All right, so it's all right. Let it go. Yep. Come back to the breath. Yep. And then it happens again. And then you're like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just we're doing, we're doing this for 20 minutes. Yep. And for me, get around minute 12, then I start getting a bit antsy. Mm. Yeah. And then... Um, uh, but I haven't been as committed to to the daily practice uh, as I would like to be. But even now, like I feel like I have an understanding of um, of what's like what the process is, and of going and of thinking. Okay, that is that is just a thought, and you know, like removing myself from the situation of that uh, of that emotion, of that of that anger, of the of feeling my feeling what I'm feeling myself versus, you know, having an empathy for the entire situation and realizing that it's a situation that's unfolding, uh, that is not a part of myself. Um, and so that's what, that, that's where mm, that Eastern philosophy has um, been kind of unfolding with me. So you've been focusing on visualizations. Yeah. So that's a visualization of what I see in my future. Okay. And I try and be very specific about it. Mm -hmm. So I see like the house that I want to live in. I see my car. I see my kids. Yeah. I see my future wife. 
Yeah. Um, and that I was s- easy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I get to see her every day in real yeah. life. I don't yeah. have to visualize. Mm. Um, and like for me, a lot of it is monetary because right now, you know, just after being in the industry for a little over a year, mm. things are tough right now. Like you can't expect to to close a whole bunch of deals in your first year. Like it's really a struggle and it's a grind and it's a long term investment. Mm. Um, so for me, I visualize like my bank account full of money. I visualize checks coming in and me signing the checks and like down to, you know, smelling the pen ink on the check paper and like it, just to be as detailed mm-hmm. as possible in the visualizations. Yeah. Um, cause what you visualize will eventually come true if mm-hmm. you, you know, you see the end result and then you fill in the space between where you are now and that end result. Mm-hmm. Um, and like same thing when I'm falling asleep at night, I try and repeat that mantra in my head. You know, I'm healthy, wealthy, and extremely successful. And I visualize as well because before you go to sleep, you need to request from your subconscious what you see in your future. Mm. kind of thing and this is all stuff that i've I've just learned from reading books and but my two mentors at at work they are living proof that it it actually works Mm -hmm. because they've practiced it and they've been very successful in what they do and they are strong proponents of the practice of you know meditation and journaling and and the law of attraction and that kind of thing so it's not like i'm just shooting in the dark you know i'm trying kind of following a path yeah you know at least they i have a coach that's been that trodden by people who you trust and, and yeah. have love and admiration for yeah and who are living proof of that you know yeah. it actually does work um can you talk to me about journaling yeah so um i started with what's called the five minute journal mm-hmm. um and i would recommend it for anybody who's getting into journaling um it's a it's a book it's a journal that you buy it's called the five minute journal and it, mm. <clears throat> i think it has like 365 pages in it so you do it for a year kind of thing and okay. um you do you write for three minutes in the morning and two minutes before you go to bed okay. you're supposed to do it as soon as you wake up and just before you go to sleep right. and, it's, and it's you write down three things that you are grateful for mm. um you write down your affirmation it can be different every day and then before you go to bed you write down three things three amazing things that happened that day write down how you could have made your your day better Mm -hmm. it's just very you know short and simple and it's just reaffirming all of those things that you want for yourself and see for yourself in your future Hmm. um so what i've set myself up to do for 2020 is i have a blank notebook Mm -hmm. that i'm going to journal in every day so i kind of followed the formula of the five minute journal for six or seven or eight months now Mm -hmm. and now i kind of i see what i like to do in my journaling, I don't want to be restricted by, you know, write three things this and write three things like that and now yeah, write an yeah. affirmation. Yeah. I can kind of expand a little bit more and mm. and write down, you know, what what worked well for me, what didn't work so well. I'm going to write down things like before I go to bed, I'm going to write down what I'm going to do in the morning and it helps me kind of stick to that routine a little bit better as well. Yeah, yeah. I always looked at journaling as like, you know, writing in your diary. Like I always associated with dear diary today, Kevin looked at me and you know, yeah, that's yeah. Kind of like it was really kind of sad and pathetic, but mm-hmm. when you actually started it, it's, it helps you just get your thoughts out on paper and then eventually mm-hmm. you start writing things that you didn't even know you were thinking, yeah. but you're able to just kind of get them out. It's just, a, a what's the word I'm looking for? It's a uh, outlet. It's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. It's a way to, to floss it. Yeah, yeah, to get those things out and get just get them onto paper. Mm. Um, and, and like I said, it helps reaffirm with the universe exactly what you want because it's one thing to think it, it's another thing to say it, and it's even another thing to write it down yeah. and kind of bring it into physical reality. Yeah, 
Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah. The only the only experience I've had with uh, with journaling is um, uh, from the artist way. Um, I forget who the writer is, but I'll, I'll be able to put it in the show notes. But um, uh, the artist way wa- is you wake up in the morning and you write two to three pages, just top of your head, no no editing, no nothing, just and just write until you're finished writing, and then that's then all of that that clutter and that chaos in the morning is just on paper and it's out and it's not meant for anybody and and the practice is to just throw it away yeah uh unless there, there is something that comes up that you know that's worth uh that's worth paying attention to yeah uh but it's uh and it's just get it out and then go you know go yep. go on with your day yeah um but that's that's an that's an interesting practice that's it's funny how like how many variations there are on the on the theme and I think it's just a matter of like just finding one that resonates with you. Yep. You know, um, they all work towards the same end. They do. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, like one person will find a greater truth in one uh, in one way or, or or in the other. And it goes back to what you were saying about the gentleman that explored um, early mythical cultures mm. in different parts of the world that were totally disconnected. The end goal is exactly the same. Yeah. But the way that they got there can be slightly different and was their own was uniquely their own yeah and he was just trying to find that that commonality that yeah. congruency through all, all of them mm-hmm. yeah it's a crazy guy interesting life uh yeah i'll um I'll, yeah i'll point you in his direction but um let's talk about music okay uh how does music fit in with, with all of this because i don't know i, I want to know about floydium I want to know about um, uh, about yeah uh, because we're collaborators in JOB Music Media, uh, which is you know right now it's here and again, but uh, it is a priority of mine uh, that you know takes some some foundation laying, uh, and it's been coming along you know as smoothly uh, as can be can be expected really. And uh, yeah, just where where does music fit in? Uh, how does music fit into to your life now? Um, music is a, a passion and a hobby for me at this point. Yeah, um, it's not a way that I make money. Mm. Um, and it's at this point for me, it's about energy allocation. So I don't learn new things. In music anymore i don't take time out of my day to like push myself or learn a new song mm. um because i focus so much on my business yeah because i know that's where my career is going to come from yeah if i had set my mind on a career in music i'd be 24 hours a day pushing myself to do new things um musically mm. but right now it's just it's become a hobby it's become a passion it's it's a bit of an outlet as well mm. you know it helps me relax um I love playing with Floydium. Uh, sometimes it takes up too much of my time. <laughs> sometimes yeah. I'm out until 11, 11 p.m. practicing mm-hmm. when I know I have to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. And yeah, yeah. those two things just don't jive with each other. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot of, you know, 
what comes with being a musician is you have to have this balance and a lot of other people in the band sleep until 11 a.m. or noon mm. and but they live the musician life which is just an opposite life of the one that I'm living right now yeah so pursuing both things professionally is just not an option for me mm-hmm. um and I've realized that I can do both. I just have to find a balance. And yeah. at this point, music has just taken a back seat as far as my allocation of energy. Yeah, of course, you know, yeah. I love playing with you guys. Yeah. I love playing with Floydium. But if I had to choose between, you know, going to a rehearsal or going to a work meeting, I would go to the work meeting every time yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, it was a big part of my, like teenagehood growing up in high mm. school like i would skip school to play music and yeah. like you know if, if i wasn't in class i would be at someone's house playing music or in the music room playing music yeah um so but and and like performing is a whole other thing like i love performing performing mm. is great um and i feel like it's become i've become so good at it it's just sec- second nature i don't get nervous before i go on stage anymore yeah um it's it, it's taken a lot of different forms in my life from like at one point I wanted to be a professional musician. That was my goal. And then I realized that, you know, I can't read music and there's no chance I'm getting into Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And so that's just not an option for me to, you know, be a world famous professional, you know, guitar player because it's just not in the books because well. I didn't, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. Uh, uh, I hear you. There's definitely more more than one way to skin a cat, though. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the a lot of the most famous names that that we know from music don't read music. Um, <clears throat> but that that is interesting because uh, in talking about meditation, whenever I lo- whenever I look at you on stage, it seems like you are in like you are riding the wave of. Uh, meditation and allowing the present moment to pass through you I guess it was early on and we've had many moments like this but uh, but it was one of the first ones so so it it was it was very profound Uh, when we were at Laura's old place and the three of us were playing together and we and we played uh, turn me on Mm. I think for the first time Mm. and by the end of it we were completely transformed the three of us like had just traveled through this thing together and like we opened our eyes and we looked around and we were like oh my yeah and like it was just entirely penetrating to yep. to all of us and uh yeah yeah and i think that's when we knew that we would we would be able to work together is because yep. like we were really really able to listen to each other yeah is a guitar still something that you reach for in the evening Honestly, rarely really these days. Hmm. Um, I play, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, go on. I play uh, at a church every Sunday. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm grateful for that because I get to play music, yeah, um, on a weekly basis. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a a staple in my life these days is that I just I get to go up on stage and I get to play music, yeah. Um, it is religious music, um, and that's not necessarily my bag, Mm -hmm. um, but music is more like along the lines of my religion you know i'm I'm not religious in the church sense i'm i like to go up there and like you said just be in the moment and be on stage and kind of transcend the music and i get to sing you know backup harmonies and that kind of stuff so i'm just kind of fully 
right there in the music and everybody yeah. else is singing along whether or not you know they're singing along because they love music or because they love god and jesus is you know it's kind of irrelevant at that point it's mm. it's a point of connection for everybody in the room yeah which is really what music is all about right yeah, yeah. doesn't matter what, what you believe in. in religion yeah, yeah. totally yeah. Um, so I get to do that on a weekly basis, which is great because otherwise I haven't really been able to do a lot of music lately. Because, like I said, it's taken a backseat to to yeah, my professional I mean, life. Well, I mean, you've you've tapped to you've tapped into something. I think that is going to take you through the rest of your professional career. Yes. And yeah, and in the establishment of you know, like you're saying, like like these are the these are the dog dog days and. Uh, lean years and all of that kind of, mm-hmm. all of those kinds of sayings, mm. um, and then uh, you know later on you're able to kind of reap the reap the benefits and and enjoy the spoils. But uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think more to my point on you know when I gave up on being a musician professionally and I understand what you're saying about not all professional musicians read music and you know not all people who do it for a living are the most technically proficient musicians and they don't have to be but you know that they practice every day Mm. you know to be you know someone who is well known and is a recording artist who goes on tour like they're not picking up the guitar once or twice a month yeah. They're practicing every day. Yeah, and yeah. that's I think that's more what I meant to say right. as far as, you know, oh, I, I'm not proficient enough. There's lots of people out there who aren't extremely proficient, but they're still very recognized and professionals. Yeah. You know, by definition of the word professional, they make their living off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do practice very often. Yeah, yeah. And music is like their number one thing. Yeah. Whereas for me, it might not be. But like you said, there's moments where we play a song together and it's like we're transported to a different world and everybody's just there with their eyes closed, you know, and we're hearing each other and we're feeling each other. We're not necessarily seeing each other. Mm. And and when you get into that moment, Mm. it's magical. There's nothing else like it. Yeah. Um, Whether it's on stage or whether it's, you know, in your living room right here. Yeah. Yeah. um, It's yeah, there's it's it's very it's a unique situation and not everybody can be there like not everybody knows how to enjoy something like that yeah. and that's another reason why I like performing at church as well is because everybody there is f- really feeling it mm-hmm. for one reason or another like I said before whether it's about the music or whether it's about the religion everybody in that room is really feeling it mm-hmm. there's nobody that's like sitting in the back of the room like kind of clapping along off beat staring at the ceiling like everybody's mm-hmm. closing their eyes and listening and feeling the words that you're that they're saying right? yeah yeah and it is a, a very magical thing. And it's another thing, like also when you're playing live to a, like an upbeat song and people are dancing, it's the same kind of thing. They're mm. expressing themselves physically because it's connected to what you're expressing musically. Yeah, there's so many, oh my God, there's so many moments. Uh, so many moments like that. I, it was weird. I barely picked up my instrument at all for... Uh, most of 2018 and then uh and then part of the way through 2019 then i was asked to do something for york university and it was the first time i'd played in a while and doing that you know i was uh i asked the uh asked the the person who was running the class uh what would you like me to play and they said absolutely anything and so (coughs) having that freedom and having had that time off, I felt like so much had dropped in and uh, so much hesitation 
and you know uh, negative speak and double thinking and all of these hesitations that that just creep up and uh, that have crept up in my music that have felt, that have felt like it'd been a problem for me for a while were not there anymore and that i was just able to deal with the music with the notes with the instrument and uh play off of what was being given to me uh, in the class. And uh, similarly to what I was saying before, I felt like those things were just a part of the way that I played and it was just a, a doggone bummer. But I was playing and those things were gone. And it, was, it, it amazed me that, you know, coming back to it after... Uh, after being away for it for a while and then uh, it just deepened my relationship with with my primary instrument and uh, and again like to know that I can the truth that was true for me that I accepted as true for me for years is not actually true um yeah yeah that's i don't know that's i just wanted to yeah. throw that in about, no absolutely uh about like you know the ever-developing uh relationship with uh with art and art forms yeah um you're absolutely right there were um uh, probably about a month ago laura asked me to record um a guitar line from a song that she wrote yeah. it's you yeah. I think Kashka actually made up the the picking pattern or whatever it was, mm -hmm. but she was working on a movie and the director was like, I want to use, or maybe she was like, maybe you should use this part that of the bit, song because it, yeah. would, it would work. Mm -hmm. I just spent an afternoon recording a couple versions, one like a beat to the regular tempo of the song and then one like really slow and sad and broken down version. Yeah. So instead of like the upbeat version was bing, boo, ba doom, ba doom, bing, boo, ba doom, yeah. right? And then I recorded one that was like bing, 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 like really right. slow and broken down for a sad scene yeah, in the yeah, movie. Yeah, I spent an afternoon away. recording that. Yeah, made me the happiest goddamn person. Yeah, yeah. It was just so joyful. Yeah, it was yeah. such a great experience. And I'm like, yeah. if I could spend every day for the rest of my life recording guitar like that, mm. I would be the most fulfilled person ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm still contradicting myself because if I wanted to do it, I could do it. Mm. You know, even though it's the market is so competitive and there's mm. so many incredibly talented people out there who can play keyboards and guitar and bass and drums and do it all in their house because they have an at home studio and mm. the more better recording software and better microphones than I do. And, yeah, you yeah. know, they'll do it for a fraction of the price that I would be willing to allocate my time for. And, mm. and you know, but there, I could still do it if I wanted to. So at the same time, I'm contradicting myself. You know, if I really put my my mind to it, I could succeed, yeah. you know, as an artist. But. Yeah, you know, yeah, you're you're putting your your priorities where your opportunity. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That is one thing that that has come up in every interview so far is everyone's willing to change and and take what's what's being offered on the table or mm -hmm. realize that that a transition is needed. No one seems to want to dwell on past successes and on on past feelings of frustration uh everyone wants to move forward yeah so yeah all right let's say let's end there fantastic yeah
Thanks Jacob for having Shavitz, me. everyone. Uh, uh, we'll have all of those things uh, that we sp- that we spoke about in the show notes. And uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much, Jacob. Check it out. Uh, five minute journal. Write that down as well. That's five a minute thing journal. People should look for. Uh, is there an author? No, it's it's a blank journal. It just has the outline of what you need to write in. Five minute journal. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. All right. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> Wasn't that something, Jake Manischewitz? Everyone. Uh, that guy's incredible. And every single time I get up on stage with him, it's an honor to be playing with him and conversing with him in the language of music. Thank you very much, everyone. If you like the show, please give us a positive review. And uh, if you can, I know things are tough right now, but head over to our Patreon page and uh, you can give us a support right over there. You can get a cup of coffee a month or a pint of beer a month or uh, lunch a month that would be great anything you can that would be, that would be super duper head on over to the patreon link that is in the show description of the escapism is on apple podcasts and on spotify thanks very much <laughs>